Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's Inspiring Leadership Series. I'm really excited to have an entrepreneur, uh, a, a, a man who is young enough to be my own son, and who I've learned a lot from already, who really has a desire to fix the internet and to solve energy issues. He's an entrepreneur who's been involved in many issues on a whole wide range of topics around technology and the future of our planet. Without further ado, I'll let him introduce himself. Over to you. Thanks, Jonathan. I'm Garrett Kinsman, the co-founder of Nodal. I've always been interested in the intersection of internet and energy and sees what, what pops up in between. Um, so thank you for having me and I'll hand it over to our host, Jonathan Bowmanberg. Thank you very much indeed, Garrett. So Garrett, let's begin with what you're doing at the moment. And then let's go back to, to childhood and the kind of events and people who shaped you made you the leader you are today, because you were recommended by Amandeep uh, Kerr, uh, the CEO of Black Dot, and also Brian J. Esposito, who's been on the series as well. Both of them spoke highly of you. But um, tell me a bit about what you're doing at the moment. So there's some really some interesting stuff that you're, you're working with. So uh, thank you for that. Right now, we're really working to rethink the underlying economics of the internet. So what we've built is an app that allows you to generate cryptocurrency on your smartphone simply by moving around and helping connect smart devices. So as you're walking down the street, you, uh, you, you walk and come into contact with Bluetooth-enabled smart devices, sensors and parking meters and gas and electric meters. And this network of phones, these millions of people walking around, create a shared network that we can then use to offload data. Um, but instead of harvesting user data or showing advertising, we're able to pay people privately and securely for moving data, essentially building a wireless network. So it's this, uh, this shared kind of crowd-powered uh, wireless network, and that's been a kind of a common trend in things I've worked on in the past decade, is how do you create kind of these shared mesh networks where people help build a, a community-powered uh, infrastructure? Wow. And... Um... Nodal, that you're the co-founder of it, is that one of the projects that Nodal's working on right now, is it? Yeah, we're, we're purely focused right now on providing a great experience for regular people and app developers to earn crypto by building out this network, by helping to connect kind of enterprise Bluetooth connected IoT devices. So that's, that's almost 100% what we're focused on. Now, we found that there's a lot of other things that we can do. Uh, one of the hardest parts about building out a company um, is, is that just figuring out what to focus on. Um, mm. My co-founder and I are, are, have attention span of a chipmunk. We like, wow, this is so cool, this and that. So we really try to surround ourselves by uh, a really, really great product team and a really great um, uh, people that help us kind of focus and say, okay, let's just do this. And then we can build that and then build out this, uh, this product uh, piece by piece. Yeah. Uh, because there's just so many exciting things you can do. Well, you've reminded me of uh, an excellent uh, book, uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport, who was at Harvard. 
And Cal sort of talks about the fact that we do have the brains of a chipmunk and we're, oh, new, you know, squirrel, where, whoa. And, and that we, if we can actually have pieces of time, you know, 40 minutes to, to 90 minutes on concerted work on a particular project, we'll nail a number of things, but you need this, this deep work time. Otherwise we just spread so thinly and we're answering lots of emails and Slack and just on so many different distractions. So that's interesting. Um, take us back to, to childhood. Where were you born? Uh, who influenced you? Father, grandfather, grandmother, mother, um, teachers, whatever. What shaped you into the, uh, the entrepreneur and the tech, the tech genius that you are today? So I grew up in Rochester, New York, which is mm -hmm. part of the, the Rust Belt in upstate New York. So it's about a six-hour drive north of New York City. And what's really interesting is that it's kind of the the end of, a, of an industrial age. That's why it's called the Rust Belt. It was a city where Kodak was founded, where Xerox was founded. And pretty much by the time I was born, all of these big businesses had, uh, had dried up. The only thing keeping the city alive to its day is its incredible universities. So I grew up in this uh, city that industry was kind of dying, but you had these little pockets of, of universities and, and life kind of growing from the ashes. And my childhood was heavily influenced by my mom, who was very artistic and an architect. And then my dad, who uh, was a professor. So he taught uh, advanced optics and, and photography, uh, scientific imaging. And he was basically like a mad scientist. So I grew up in a house where my mom had a lot of kind of, she was running a clothing shop at the time, uh, lots of fancy clothes and, and, and art and style. And then we had a scanning electron microscope in the living room and an x-ray machine um, and just like crazy industrial kind of gadgets laying everywhere. So that was the, the cool part about living in an old kind of industrial city is there was all this like wild equipment just laying around. And what did you learn from mom that you've taken to today? And what did you learn from dad that you've taken as part of the, the character you are today? So I'd say on the mother's side, very kind of free thinking and understanding, at least having an appreciation for design. I'm always driving my team crazy saying, no, we should make it better, make it. But having that impatience, I want everything to be done at one click. Um, and then on my father's side, just to really always question everything. You know, question, you know, how, how does a cell tower work? How, how, do, how does the internet work with light flashing through little pieces of glass? So always having that kind of questioning uh, ability to the point where it drove my teachers totally crazy in, uh, in schooling. Mm. Well, I, I love that, that, that constant curiosity, uh, always wondering about how things work and can we do things differently, better, uh, and, and how do they work? So uh, throughout your life thus far, and still at the age of 26, that's, there's a lot more life to be done. Um, but what, what have been your proudest moments or, or one proudest moment? And what did you learn from that proud moment that has helped you going forward? And what's been one of your darkest moments and what did you learn from that, Gareth? So most of my proud moments have been right now with, uh, with Nodal. I'd say launching Nodal and keeping it alive. Uh, I'll start with the, the proud moment was kind of surviving COVID. Um, it was a really, really difficult time for us. And um, my co-founder and I, we couldn't actually pay rent. Like we, we had six months in, uh, in, in this apartment and we, we didn't have any money. I had to sell uh, my Bitcoin 
to buy a car just so we could go get out of the city and, and escape. Um, and so the proud moment was kind of getting out of that. We were able to raise some funding. Now we have a, a wonderful team of 50 people. Uh, so that was really, really uh, fantastic. And, and I'm very thankful for that. Well done. I mean, to, to get, just staying with that, to get through that, um, I was talking to you about another fintech company that, that uh, my wife and I work with, uh, and, and they had those moments. Uh, you know, some of them, you yeah. never hear of them because they just disappear. The companies never existed. Yeah. But the ones that are successful, that, that make it big and become unicorns, they, they've all had that moment where they were just scraping it together. And are we going to make yeah. it through? And, and that gives you a resilience and a determination to, to hang on and help your help your child survive. And now here you are with 50 people working for you. So well done so far. And there's the, you yeah. know, this is still the early days. Uh, you've got, got a, an adolescent rather than a baby. Yeah, and I'm saying, I was gonna say, we live in a society where it's, it's not really okay to talk about, hey, I'm totally broke or hey, I'm really struggling. And what's interesting is we work in an office in the city with a lot of other founders, like a co-working space. And we tell our story and they say, oh, I, I had that happen. Oh, yeah, I had that. And the other one says, oh, yeah, I'm like that right now. <laughs> and so it's really compelling when you talk to your peers about uh, these things. And, you know, even if you're struggling and you need help, it's, it's important to, to, to share that and, and communicate with your, with your community. Because a lot of other founders, almost every founder I can, can think of, uh, lived through that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really, really fascinating. And, and, and you and I were talking about you went on the Hoffman. Uh, retreat and, and I went on the yeah. uh, Peruvian Andean retreat um, but you were saying on the Hoffman retreat to, to have the level of baselining where you understand what everybody's yeah. been through in their lives and in, in the case you were saying in the military it would be quite useful to understand yeah. what they've been through but I think it's it's good in any walk of life your idea Garrett that if you can have a situation where it's psychologically safe enough to open up about your vulnerabilities so yeah. everybody does it. So it's not, it's, it's equal. Then you know that we're all very human. And then you can have a level of conversation. Trust equals speed times cost. When trust is high, things happen very quickly and it doesn't cost much. But when trust is low, it takes forever. And you always get involved in legal wranglings and meetings before meetings and meetings after meetings. What's, what's your thoughts, Gary? Yeah, my, my co-founder has a great saying. The best way to trust, to know someone if, the best way to know if somebody is trustworthy is to trust them. Yeah. Which uh, I, I find really interesting. And, yeah. um, and, and it's fascinating because we live in a society where um, we, uh, of dopamine loops, of, of targeted advertising, of, of all of the media and literally quite literally the economics of the underlying internet, kind of this advertising model is, is driving civilization kind of closer to insanity um, where you, you, you get happy just from these very small dopamine loops from clicking a like button or something like that. And so we're at a time where it's really important to, to talk to your peers, to do uh, meditation retreats, to go in and try to understand, you know, what, what is your psychological baseline? What are the patterns that have influenced you from your family? Um, talk with your peers about personal development and encourage it within your own organizations um, because we're at a really interesting time in, in civilization where uh, we have essentially mass uh, programming, kind of uh, algorithmic uh, uh, programming or, or targeted advertising. Um, and, and our only defense today is really just to talk about it, just to be aware and, and, and communicate with our peers. Um, so that's part of my drive 
with nodal as to how, how do we help solve that? But uh, yeah, yeah go, go ahead. No, I, I just think it's really interesting because I work with a number of CMOs and co to coach them uh, and their teams around the world in different big brands that you would have heard of, as well as the CEOs of those organizations. And I give the CMOs quite a hard time because I say, you know, I've, I've got my Apple Watch or my Aura Ring. I don't need a second one. I just need one. And, and, and yet you're trying to tell me that I'll only be happy with a happy meal, which actually is a lie because a McDonald's happy meal is nutritionally awful for me. And actually it will lead to health problems for me later in life. Or I'll be happy with a Coke, which, which is essentially sugar water, which ups my fructose and my glucose and cause glucose spikes and may lead to obesity. And so it's not happy at all, actually. So, so there's a, a whole industry around convincing us we'll only be happy when we have more stuff or things which actually they know are not good for us. But like the smoking adverts with the Marlboro Man, it took ages for them to actually admit that cigarettes were bad for you and doctors were going, yeah, well, you know, most doctors smoke camel cigarettes, you know, and, and now they're going, oh, well, we shouldn't have done that, should we? No, I don't know. It, it's just like we've got caught in this world that's a bit mad around advertising. Don't you think, Garrett? I, uh, I would say so. And um, there's definitely some good books. Uh, the Massen Psychology, I guess that's the German name of, uh, of Freud's book, um, uh, group, group analysis and psychology of ego. I think I think is the book which kind of introduced that whole that whole idea. Um, and and Nodal kind of came about with this idea of how can we let anyone earn crypto by helping build out a network uh, that connects you know the world around us. But at it, it, its core and something that is is really hard to explain to people, but it's something I'm personally very passionate about is how do we hack this this existing model of the internet where the only way that these big tech companies know how to make money is to, to leverage all these things that you talked about for, for profit. So it creates these really potentially negative incentive loops uh, where, you know, instead of focusing on really incredible content, we're focusing on how, how am I going to buy a weighted blanket? I just, I need that, that weighted blanket. Um, and so what if we could use our phones to kind of anonymously and securely connect to the world around us? and move data and, and monetize in the background without impacting privacy, and then use that to, uh, to, to allow app developers and allow builders to, to create really powerful experiences. Can we move away from this advertising age of the internet and move into what comes next? Mm. Well, you and I had a fascinating conversation in our first chat, because when I started explaining about my days, uh, in electronic warfare, uh, reporting back to the government communication headquarters in Cheltenham, um, with all that we were listening to, whether it be in Cyprus or whether it be in Germany, listening to the Russians and to the East Germans. And boy, they're having a lot of information that they're gathering from the Russians at the moment in Ukraine. Uh, and just how um, the, the mighty Russia um, is having an awful lot more problems than it makes out it is. And of course, this whole information war and people, what they say and what they don't say. But you were always fascinated about this, about communications, about the way um, information is gathered. And of course, for years, I've always known that any phone conversation that I have or um, emails I send, someone's reading it somewhere. And, and just don't be naive. If you, th if you think that 
things are private. They're not at all. People are, are all over everything that you've got. Uh, I don't know what sort of comes up for you, but I think this, this idea of everything being connected and people being aware of what you're doing and, and where you are and who you are and what you've spent on things, um, you know, it can be a force for good. It can also be a force for great evil. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we live in this really interesting debate, uh, which a lot of people don't like to talk about is, can we live in a society without surveillance? Yeah. Is, is a society without surveillance one we even want to live in? Uh, so these are some interesting questions. I've debated this with, with people in the government. Um, I certainly lean more on the side of we need private and secure communications uh, because if, if communications are broken and listened into, then somebody's going to abuse that power. Um, so, but it's really an interesting debate, especially yeah. as now the, the amount of data you can collect on an individual is increasing exponentially. Yeah. I was at a conference yesterday for augmented reality where quite literally they're mapping the, the entire world in, in 3D in real time. And I asked a question, I said, is the, the entire observable universe, is it going to be mapped in real time in 3D in our lifetimes? I'm talking a bird flies overhead. There's a 3D model of it in a computer somewhere, um, a, a, a pure mirror image of reality. And after those discussions yesterday, uh, basically everyone who's building this technology agreed that it'll happen in our decade. Yeah. We're talking every single object, every, you know, perhaps even down to the single atom will have a digital representation in our, in our universe. So it's, uh, it's really an incredible uh, future that we're, we're very quickly coming, coming towards. And uh, these are important debates to have. And that's why decentralization, uh, which I've always been interested in for the past decade, blockchain technologies, it's kind of called web three. It's what comes after, you know, advertising is web two. Web three is what comes after is, is really an important and interesting debate. Um, and certainly how do we, you know, support, uh, you know, fighting bad people, but also giving people the tools to defend themselves yeah. is, is really an interesting debate. I don't think anyone has an answer for that. No, and I'm just looking on my phone because I'm um, dyslexic. We might have discussed this before. but So I listened to probably 230 audiobooks in the last couple of years. But one of the ones that I was just listening to recently was The Age of the Strongman by Gideon Rackman. Uh, and it talks about Putin, Xi Jinping, um, uh, Erdogan in, in Turkey, Orban, Trump, whoever it might mm -hmm. be, even heaven forbid, we even had uh, Boris Johnson coming in there. This idea of the sort of strong man is going to make all these decisions and they're very much into centralized control. Look at Xi Jinping and face recognition for everybody in China. So wherever you are, they know where you are, where you've been moving yeah. and, and who your, your face is and that they can pick up not only Chinese faces, but European faces. I, I think uh, th this whole area of Big Brother watching you, and I was brought up on George Orwell, 1984. Yeah. I, I do, I, I am where, where you're in that, an element of it, but when it gets into the hand of these strong men leaders who want to control everything and say that the truth is actually fake news and their lies is actually the truth, it, it gets very dangerous. It gets very dangerous indeed. Uh, Let's go back to, this is fascinating. We can, you and I can chat in any different direction on any topic. On a rabbit hole. You, you know what you're talking about. I have absolutely no idea, but I find it fascinating. Um, looking back at your life thus far, uh, darkest moment and what did you learn from it? What would be a dark moment for you, apart from almost being broke? 
woke and broke but uh you know what's 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 your darkest moment well i mean i look back and sometimes the, the most the happiest moments uh in, in life are sometimes when you're totally broke i have a friend who's a, a a multimillionaire big real estate investor and he says the the opportunity cost of fun or sorry the yeah the the, the basically the dollar cost of fun increases exponentially the older you get um and so uh you know just just have fun and enjoy life. I'd say one of the dark moments was I was working in, so I had, I had moved to California at 17. Um, I met who is now my co-founder at the computer history museum and ended up uh, coming to California, working with my co-founder on a messaging app. That so who, who, who's, your co, who's your co-founder? Just mention the My name. co-founder is uh, Misha Benolio. How do I spell so that? Is, He's this crazy Frenchman, uh, M-I-C-H-A, B-E-N-O-L-I-E-L. And he's a real, uh, been building telcos and just, uh, so I joined him when they were building an app that allowed uh, phones to bypass telcos and and tether, basically hotspot your phone. And so this was a point where, you know, you had to pay the, the carrier an extra 10 or $15 a month just to hotspot your phone. And then they say, well, that's dumb. Uh, you know, it's my phone. I'm paying for it. And they, they hack the phone to allow you to, to create a Wi-Fi hotspot and then connect it to your laptop and stuff. And, and the telcos got so mad, they actually forced Google to ban the app from the Play Store. Um, and it created, it was this whole kind of net, network neutrality, internet neutrality debate. Um, and so I'd done that. We built an app called FireChat. And one of the dark moments was, um, he, uh, he had been kind of pushed out. I'm probably not supposed to talk too much about it, but he had, he had to leave the company and I was left totally devastated. I said, you know, this, this is somebody I really respect. He was my boss at the time and, uh, I didn't know what to do. So I was, was totally devastated. I had, I had quit. Um, I was, I think 18 or 19 at the time. And uh, was basically just trying to figure out what to do. I was going and meeting. I was a graphic designer by by trade. I was going around meeting all the design studios in San Francisco. And uh, this was at a time where there was a little kind of economic dip, like a mini dip. But all the investors were saying, "Oh, like, no, we can't invest." You know, every, everything was very very tight. And so um, I actually had a bunch of design studios say that my work was terrible. <laughs> They're like, they're like, tell me about your aesthetic. And I was like, what does aesthetic mean? I don't know what that is. I just designed things. <laughs> and, um, so it was there that I was on the bus uh, heading home. I, I remembered that there was some meetup happening in San Francisco. So I get off the bus a few stops late and I walk back like five blocks to this, uh, to this event. It was like an IOT meetup or something. Um, and uh, it was there that I met one of my good friends, Anuj, who uh, was from India. And he says, oh, Garrett, I, I'm traveling here to California, all the way from India. I'm a designer there. Uh, you should come to India and visit. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I think you would, I think you would enjoy it. And so uh, a few weeks later, I decided to spend pretty much all the money I have. I didn't even have enough money to pay rent when I got back. I had no job and decided to, uh, to embark kind of on this, this journey to India, kind of like what Steve Jobs did. Um, and, uh, and I think, wow, where the heck would I be in life right now? If I hadn't gotten off that, that bus at that stop, if I said, oh, I'm too lazy, I, I want to go home and just sleep. 
Um, that, that quick decision, literally, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it, that, that can change your life, mm. uh, which is really, really interesting. And, that, and that's one of the main reasons that I don't, uh, you know, I don't smoke weed much because it's, uh, it, so a lot of these drugs or alcohol and things like that will inhibit those decision-making abilities. Mm. You know, and it's those quick decisions that will quite literally change the entire course of your life. Um, and, uh, so that, that to me was really interesting. It went from a very dark moment to the beginning of a, of a new adventure. Yeah. Well, well, fascinating. And you and I were talking earlier about different things and the effect on us. I've recently, uh, just before my 60th birthday, decided to go teetotal. Um, and, uh, it actually took a lot of pressure off me because what, what uh, is that? Teetotal means you don't drink alcohol. Um, oh. and, um, <laughs> Yeah. And uh, huh? yeah, I don't know where the tea bit comes in, but I mean, you, you'd perhaps you totally drink tea. But yeah. And, and I, I just found that having been brought up in the military where there was a great culture of drinking and uh, pressure on you to drink alcohol. Um, it's actually very easy when you just say to friends, even at your own 60th party with about 80 friends from all around the place in the world. Uh, I said, uh, I didn't even have to explain. I just didn't drink and therefore I could drive everybody home. So it was nice at the end of the evening. But but um, we were talking about psychedelics, you and I, and um, when I went to Peru and did the ayahuasca ceremony in the, uh, the San Pedro, which were, were um, plant-based medicines, which, which have an effect on the way you think and you see the world differently. Um, I, and you were talking about some of the friends that you've known who, who tried psychedelics and, and how there are times for these things when you see things, I've got much more clarity now having been away in Peru for those 10 days on that retreat and, and done the plant-based medicine, but I don't need to go back and constantly be living off it. And uh, I don't know what your thoughts are about the, the benefits of, of seeing the world slightly differently and then coming back to reality, as we call it. What's your thoughts? Well, well, I did this Hoffman experience, which was essentially guided meditation. Um, and some people have said it was very similar to a psychedelic experience, despite no, you know, you're not taking anything. Um, and what I noticed after, after this Hoffman experience, I could feel my brain was being rewired and I didn't want to drink after that. I, I had no real desire. Even right now, I've maybe had one or two drinks in the past couple of weeks. Um, but I think it's also really important that we live in a time and, and place in history where these things are starting to be okay to talk about because 200 years ago, I mean, for the past 200 years, you'd be crazy. You'd be thrown in jail, um, for, for having some of these discussions and in California, especially is really the, the pinnacle of this where people are really experimenting, you know, what is consciousness? What is, what does it mean to be creative? Um, and it's, it's, it's fascinating. And I think the real focus of personal development, you know, I, I personally believe the highest you'll ever be in life is when you're completely sober. Um, I, uh, I only left, left my body once and I was meditating in the forest here in, uh, in the redwoods and there was no, no substances or anything. So it's, it's really, uh, uh, it's, it's very interesting that we live in this, in this time and place where, where we can have these discussions and they're promoted. And I think that we as a nation in the United States and the world, we're having a big mental health crisis. I think a lot of it's caused by this kind of advertising model that we live in. Um, I'm scrolling Instagram and just seeing, you know, ads and, and kind of toxic things and talking about your psychology, talking about how you're feeling and, you know, maybe where some of those patterns came from in your family or in your personal life. 
um, and perhaps doing doing psychedelic experiences are really um, uh, uh, the direction that everything's going. If you look at antidepressant research, the entire world's moving away from modifying your your dopamine levels, uh, which has been the, the status quo for the past 20 or 30 years, um, and back to kind of psychedelic research, mm. uh, which was popular in the 60s, except those ones were just making people a little crazy. People were having a little too much fun on those. Yeah. So, uh, so well, that's I, fascinating. I was reading Carlos Castaneda's Don Juan, which was this sort of his story of his uh, experience in those early 60s when he tried different uh, medicine, plant-based medicines and had psychedelic experiences. But I think of times when in my life I've gone through some very tough times and been quite, I suppose you would be described as quite clinically depressed. And actually I found I wanted to steer away from the antidepressants and someone giving me a pill, which they didn't know what was right. You know, if you, if you have a heart problem, they examine your heart. But yeah. yet if you have a brain problem, they, they guess and they go, oh, Garrett, you need this. Well, how do they know you need that? And they go, oh, that didn't work. Let's try this one. Let's, that doesn't work. Let's try this one. So it's all guesswork. So actually what I find is eat, move, sleep, breathe, focus, prosper. You know, what I eat and eating healthily and good foods that are good for my body, moving yeah. and fitness. You know, I'm fitter now at 60 than I probably was in the army. Um, sleep and the importance of it. Work in progress. I'm constantly trying to get more deep sleep. I haven't yet cracked that one. Got uh, sleep, but not enough deep sleep because that, you know, with the aura ring, it tells me. Um, mm -hmm. Breathing, as you were saying, meditation, breathing, yeah. um, and um, hypertropic breathing, which I've tried as well, which is and, and, uh, breath work, very interesting. Uh, and then your focus on what matters. Uh, I think the whole area is very interesting. Let's go on to my next question because I'm interested in. 10 years ago when you were 16, knowing what you know now with the experiences you've had in India and elsewhere and, and startups and different businesses, what bit of advice would you give to the young 16-year-old Garrett Kinsman that might be useful to other people? This matters, but that doesn't. What, what bit of advice, positive and, and uh, cautionary, would you give? So as a bit of a side note, I, I spent a lot of side time thinking about science fiction and, and a story about what if computers could communicate through time? Um, you know, what would you want to tell the past or, or maybe, uh, maybe not tell the past just to let, let it happen? So I think if it was totally up to me, I, um, I, I, would, I would probably just let it happen the same way because if I maybe influence the past, I might impact my present reality or maybe another parallel version of myself. <laughs> but beside the fact, uh, I would give the advice to, um, to really just go and do it. Um, one thing I learned in India was experience versus reality. Even if you have no money and your friend is saying, Hey, let's go to the Himalayas on a wild adventure. And you're like, nah, I don't know. I just kind of want to sit at home. You should go do it. Uh, you should spend, you know, I'm not saying spend all the money you have, but go on that crazy adventure because you buying objects, you know, buying ham radios will, will only make you so happy, but you going on an adventure even alone or with your friends is uh, that's what makes your reality experience uh, creates your reality. Don't get so focused on, Hey, I have to get my homework done. I have to go do this work. Yeah. Stay, stay with that one because that's very interesting. You know, those who are critical of my, uh, my children, my four children's generation, which you're in would go, you know, these millennials, they're, they're just into experiences. They just want to experience things. They don't want to, 
you know, they look at us and they go, well, you um, baby boomers, you've got everything and you've got big pensions and stuff like that. We can't even afford the houses that you guys are in. So mm-hmm. no, we can't do that. We're going to go for experiences instead because they are memories which will stay with us forever. And, and this is what I found with my wife and I. We need to, not need to, we want to look back at all the photographs that we've got and go, how do we collect all these experiences? Because at the moment they're on the sort of the Apple computer and, mm-hmm. and they're there and you have to go and find them. But, but how could you, I know you can have one of those little uh, photo frames where they start to scroll through and pictures come. There must be something better. Um, like a, a holograph that can come up in 3D and just play out some of the places that you went to. But I, I really agree with you. Let's go around the Inspiring Leadership Compass, the, uh, the research that we did about what makes people into high-performing leaders and teams. Um, we don't claim this to be the only leadership model. I think there's millions of them. But we found this quite a, a useful talking point. The first one is um, morals, values, and integrity. What, what would you say are your top two uh, morals and values that have served you well? Uh, and what have you done when you've let them slip? How do you get yourself back on track? I would say the most important kind of moral and value is just to have a really, uh, have a team you can communicate well with. Like just really surround yourself with really great people. And it took us four or five years really to, to get that mix right. Now we have the most incredible team. Um, and, uh, and again, when you, when you let that slip, when maybe you hire the wrong person or you, you find yourself hanging out with the wrong group, is you just have to be honest with yourself. Don't kick the can down the road. You have to be honest with yourself and, and communicate that to yourself and, and to those, those relevant people that are, that are around you. So, I mean, we, we had, at Nodal have built really like a family. Like we can, we're, we're going to go hang out on vacation <laughs> with each other. Um, and so it's, I, I would say that, you know, just surround yourself with people that you really care about and that you can okay. communicate honestly with. Yeah, that's good. What's the second one? The second one that is valuable. Hmm. Served you well. Morals serve me well. Um, your values, your the beliefs, first, the way you show up in the world. The first was really communication. The second, I guess, always question. Yeah. You know, never, never be afraid to, to question how things work. We, we live in a society now. I mean, I learned everything. I, I, I know almost on YouTube, probably 90% of it's on just YouTube videos. And so we live in a society now where if you really want to know how something works, there's probably a dozen really well-produced videos on exactly how it works. And you can go tweet the expert on it. You can go send an email to the, the world, the world expert, and they'd probably be more than happy to have have a chat with you. So I'd say always question because in, in school these days, they, uh, I know I was definitely discouraged from asking a lot of questions. I remember asking my science teacher, I say, well, if an, if a nuclear energy is just photons, just, you know, electromagnetic energy and solar panels are electricity, why can't we just put solar panels around a nuclear reactor and it just works. And, and I was told that I was very confused and, and from a, from a, from an accurate representation. Yes, I was very confused, but you know, these kind of really crazy questions are what, what builds the next, you know, big technology builds the mm-hmm. next startups, creates the next art. So never be afraid to ask those crazy questions. Great advice. Let's go through a quick fire on on the next seven. Um, Just your your first thoughts and tips that you'd share with others. Purpose and meaning um, as as the next area. 
Um, what would be a top tip you'd give to people trying to work out what gives their life meaning and purpose? So for me, I was incredibly thankful because in high school, I said, I want to fix the internet. Once that's done, I want to fix energy. I want to build nuclear reactors. And that has just been kind of my guiding focus uh, for life. And, and I don't know what I would be doing if I, if I didn't have that. So, mm. and I don't know where it came from. Maybe it was aliens and planted it in my mind or something using cell towers. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, um, it, it's certainly interesting. And in, in terms of guiding, guiding purpose, I mean, I think for, for humans, a lot is families. How do you, you know, create a family and, and um, you know, even if you can't have kids, be around people that you love and, and, and care about. Uh, so for me, it's, it's, you know, just try to build really good connections with, with people. Um, again, talk about your feelings, talk about what, uh, you know, have personal development conversations with, with your peers. And that's how you're going to build these, these really meaningful relationships. Um, Brilliant. And it's something I find very difficult too. I mean, I work all the time, so I, I haven't figured out the solution to, to, to the universe, but uh, I'm, I'm certainly trying. It's always work in progress, which takes me on to the, uh, takes me on to the next question, which is health, uh, brain health and physical health. And behind you hanging from the roof of your apartment, you have a yeah. bicycle upside down, unless yeah. uh, you, you're hanging up upside down and you just, I'm actually upside down, yeah. yeah, it could be that. So uh, if you're working so hard, what do you do to look after, what would be a top tip for brain health uh, from, from what works for you and physical health? Yeah, so I, I try to bike to work every two or three days a week, two days a week at least. Um, my, uh, my office is like 25 minutes bike ride. And if I leave at 8 a.m., it's a 25 minute drive. And so it's like, I, sometimes it's even faster for me just to bike to the office. Which is which is cool. I have a beautiful ride along the ocean and all that. Um, so I, I'd say bike, get a little, you know, get a little exercise. You don't have to go work out and be super jacked. Um, I mean, I'd love to be super jacked, but just just riding twice a week is is enough uh, for me or three times. Um, I find uh, I like to go for walks. Just try to move around your body. Get a standing desk if you can. I'm still working on that one. Um, I, I'm I'm at my standing desk now. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah that's so good. I mean, um, we, uh, we're, we're, we're getting a little office cubicle and I'm going to move some, some standing desks in there. So, so we can have, have that. And then for brain health, I mean, a lot of it's food. Like I find eat, uh, eat vegetables. I get this like green mix powder. That's actually super helpful. Um, and I, I love listening to like, um, kind of extreme campers or like what special forces type of gear they'll they'll take and and a lot of them say like a green powder drink um so you can really get those uh, vitamins and nutrients from the vegetables um even if you love carbs i mean i love carbs i try not to eat too many of them um, but having a green like a vegetable drink every morning will really increase your brain function drink water um and then for mental health uh get out and be in nature the one of the probably the main reason i live in san francisco is in 30 minutes north, you're in the most beautiful redwood forests in the world. We've got, it's quite literally coastal rainforest. All the air comes in off the ocean and essentially dumps itself onto, uh, onto redwood trees in, in the mountains. And um, so just hiking through there, being on the beach, that's so good for mental health. Try to do that uh, I, I think, once I think a week. It, I think it's really good. One of the guys I was interviewing on the podcast the other day, 
just trying to remember who it was. I think it was um, uh, Bruce Lyman, um, mm. and it could have been him, or uh, anyway, one of my other guests. And he was great friends with uh, Dr. Mark Hyman, who does a great podcast called The Doctor's Pharmacy, and it's well worth listening to. Um, and I think I'm going to get Mark Hyman on this program too, because he's so interesting on health and well-being, longevity. I'm fascinated by epigenetics and, and what will mm. make us so that our health span is matched by our, our, our matches our lifespan and that we can be genetically younger than chronologically. Um, I'm, I'm really interested in wow. that. But, but certainly the whole idea of eating vegetables the whole, in the, uh, and fruit in the, in the raw rather than drinking it, uh, because drinking your calories is certainly not so good for you. And sometimes some, some um, nutrients and some uh, supplements are good. I take quite a few supplements, but, but having real food for real humans is, is always important. Next uh, one was emotional intelligence. Um, you've got a, a great way with connecting with people. What's your top tip on, I don't know, listening, connecting, emotional intelligence? What would be a top tip you'd give people listening? I'd say that one was already always very difficult for me um, just because I it, a little bit of a, I definitely grew up a little weird. It, it was very hard for me to make friends in, in school. Um, so it's something that I've had to learn the hard way for sure. Um, I, I would say is just try to listen. I mean, I love interrupting people. So just try to listen, <laughs> keep your mouth shut. Um, and uh, And for me, I kind of have to think about what I'm saying before I say it. Um, because like, I'll be thinking about like, like, hmm, how do the, 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 the plasticizers and the plastic keep the, the polymers together so that the screen that I'm looking into you doesn't fall apart in ultraviolet and like regular people don't care about that. So I'm like, I have to say, okay, is that relevant to the conversation? You know, take the temperature of the room. A great businessman told me once, take the temperature of the room, understand where, where, where everyone's at. And, and when in doubt, just try to listen and, and everyone will think you're smarter if you're just like, hmm, yeah. Okay, you just kind of nod, nod, and listen. So, but that that's very difficult for me. It's, it's yeah, it's a, but, but it's a hard one that I, I struggle with for sure. It's good of you to say that, Garrett, because um, many of the very technically skilled and uh, high IQ individuals I know have yet to, to develop the EQ, and it is always mm -hmm. work in progress. Uh, and yeah. it is it is the bit that will define people's success. You, I know a lot of terribly clever people. We call them NANP, not allowed near people. And and they're, yeah. they're kept they're kept in a room on their own with these great ideas. But please don't put them in charge of teams because they will completely mess it up, and 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 play with their heads. And they can't understand that actually. What do you mean? I need to tell them I appreciate what they've done or they've done a good job. Yeah. But surely I pay them. Why, why do they need that? And so a, a yeah. lot of my family is like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it, it's always work in progress. Uh, from EQ to CQ or cultural intelligence, uh, dealing with people who are different from us, diversity, equality, inclusion. What would be your tip on on getting on well with people who are different from us? That one's really interesting. I spent almost two years living in India, so I was thrust into that one um, head first. So I lived in Bangalore. I was the only uh, foreigner essentially working for this huge tech company, Ola, Ola Cabs. I like to joke that I was a diversity hire, but I don't know if that's very funny. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, um, so I, uh, it, that one was really interesting and, and there was definitely some things I screwed up for sure. 
Um, just look look around, look at how people are, are dressed. Um, actually, I picked up wearing button-up shirts in India because that's just kind of the style. Um, but then again, I would walk around in shorts barefoot, which in British and Indian culture is you're you're crazy. Um, so I so so uh, some good things I, I picked up for sure, um, like listening and kind of picking up on emotions and again take the temperature of the room. Uh, but then also some things I, you know, totally screwed up. And I, I look back and I say, man, I really wish I hadn't joked around with uh, some of the really key decision makers so much, um, uh, you know, try to be a little more serious because I'm, I'm in, I'll be in a very important meeting and they're talking about billions of dollars. And I just, I really just want to crack a joke. Like I just I really <laughs> want to say something dumb. And, and that's another interesting thing that my co-founder taught me is that there's always a part of you inside that wants to, to, you know, just be a little destructive, especially even when things are going really good. Like there's always a part of, of civilization that wants, uh, wants, um, wants to, to, to screw things up. There's a really fun book. It's the, definitely the, the, a difficult read, but it's called Anti-Fragile. Oh, so yes. I've come across it's this idea yeah. of, uh, yeah, Nassim yeah. Taleb is really interesting to, to read and he's all over the place, but it's this idea that, you know, a little chaos is, is good for, 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 for complex systems. And so for, for yourself, just be aware of that part of you that wants to, to throw a wrench in the works that wants to say something dumb and just, it, it just being aware of, of, again, your cognitive baseline is, is something that uh, can help you, you know, really withhold the urge to make a, a inappropriate joke in a very important meeting. So, yeah, I think, um, I think and, and these things come with age too. No, no, they don't. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still like you at the, age of, at the age of 60. I'm afraid there's no hope for either of us. Uh, I think my wife describes me as this sort of social hand grenade where I, I just like, like to pull, pull a pin out, roll it into a room, make a comment, close the door and see what happens. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit wicked. Um, which takes us on to we all need to be very resilient. Resilience is the next one. What's your top tip? Uh, you know, you've had setbacks and disappointments, uh, lost what you were hoping for. What's your top tip on uh, picking yourself up in times of adversity, Garrett? That one is also difficult. I'd say go, um, again, be in nature mm. is really good. Be, be with your friends. Uh, I try to go out in the forest or out. I try to do at least two camping trips a year. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult. Uh, I, sometimes I do one, I think, during, yeah, I, I try to do at least one, one a year. Um, one in the, in, the, in the summer jungle and then one in the snow, Arctic camping. Mm-hmm. And um and uh, so it's that that's really helps kind of because you'll you'll go be in nature and then come out and you're like wow okay um, is kind of keeps keeps me up and and my co-founder and I will will go in and do that that's why we bought a car during COVID just so we could go out and go hike and that I think doing that and doing saunas I mean a lot of really like key decisions um, in my my company were made either in the sauna or amongst the redwoods. Um, with uh, with my co-founder, and so, so those two things have been really, really nice. Very good. L- last two, and then we'll go on to teams, book, and top tip. Um, brand. Um, have you ever done three hundred and sixty feedback on yourself as a co-founder, uh, where an external coach has brought in twenty people that work with you and got their feedback on you, so you know how to enhance and develop yourself? Have you ever done that? We have a little bit. So we actually hired a, a psychologist um, to, to do these things. We did get basically color mapping for each each person to see who kind of gets along with who and 
and I, I always get constant feedback um, uh, from my team, which I try to encourage. And um, it was so it was so great that we actually hired her. She's now our head of people, um, is a is a business psychologist, and so we really try to encourage um, encourage these types of things. Right. Um, so it's uh, it's 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 a, a really great investment. Well, um, I may have not had it in your in, in how you were imagining it, but uh, we we do try to, to 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 really invest in psychology, invest in in uh, in feedback, and if I'm doing something stupid, I want to know about it. Yeah, and I want to surround myself with people that'll tell me. Fantastic! No, that sounds really good. And brand, uh, not brand. So from brand onto legacy, what would you like in mm-hmm. a sentence your legacy to be when you eventually, or let's say you pass away at a young age, but when you go, what would you like people to say about you? So I, I'd like to s- people to think that I had at least some contribution towards uh, the networks that connect us to- towards the internet. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested in energy. I haven't uh, made any play there yet. Uh, last night, I was actually up late running uh, simulations on a spreadsheet looking at atmospheric water generation. So actually pulling water from the air using solar um, so about 10 kilowatts of energy, that's a huge solar array, will give you about uh, 200 liters per day of water here in California. Um, and so running the calculation, seeing, you know, what, what can you do with that? How's it going to work? So just thinking about energy, I'd love to, to make a play at, at solving energy because right now it's, I mean, we're, we're still in the petrochemical age. Uh, yeah. we're, we're, we're looking at energy like the, 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 the British and the early Americans did. Um, mm. so I'd, I'd love to make a contribution towards that. I would love you to as well. Um, teams, you, you, you've set up a team of 50, um, and you've seen other teams, whether you're in India and elsewhere, what is your tip? Very brief tip. When you've got someone toxic in the team, how do you turn it around to high performing? So usually you have to end it with that person as quickly as possible is what I found. Mm. Uh, if there's any doubt, with somebody, you got to communicate it uh, immediately. Uh, see if you can make an action. Always try to make an action to change, um, but uh, usually it's best to just to, to move on as quickly as possible. That's something that we learned. We learned out the hard way. Yeah, um, no, I think I think that's a wise one. And then um, your a, a book. You know, you you read and you study and you look, watch YouTube videos. Is there something that you've watched, listened to, or uh, heard that you found useful in the field of leadership that you recommend others do? It could be a podcast, it could be a book, whatever. What's, what's something you'd recommend around, something on leadership that you'd recommend others listen to, see? I would say, I mean, I learn most from my, my team mm-hmm. just because we try to hire, hire really smart people. Um, and books that I've enjoyed, again, Nassim Taleb, uh, Black Swan and Anti-Fragile are, are a lot of fun. They're really dense and don't really have a plot, um, but they're, they're kind of fun to just look at the world a little bit differently. Um, other books that are really good, I should have studied and, and, uh, and, and, and uh, thought about this before. No, that's but, all right. The, the two you mentioned, um, it, it, two, you mentioned are good. Um, yeah, Nassim Taleb is pretty interesting for sure. Yeah, okay. Um, no, that's good. So... We're now down to the, the last one, which is, Gary, if you very kindly just introduce yourself, tell people what you do, and then give them the, your two-minute top tip, we'll then wrap up at that stage. Sure. So I'm Garrett Kinsman. 
the co-founder of Nodal. And my two-minute top tip is uh, just embrace your spiritual self. Most people don't do this in business. They're, they're trying to be very serious and get things done. But, but again, you know, looking at what, what makes you tick and under, trying to build a baseline and, and develop yourself personally is the most important thing that you can make, is the most important investment that you can make in yourself and in your team. So I would say always, you know, try to focus on your mental health, go out and explore the, the redwoods and the, and the nature and the beach and, uh, and always uh, be, be asking and improving the people around you to, to make sure that they're doing okay and, and, can, uh, and, and see how they can grow as people. So I would say that's my, my tip. I was going to try to say something else more, I don't know, no, like no. take notes or or use use Rome research, but like I just understand <laughs> your spiritual self. Focus yep. on your your uh, your spiritual self. That's good for me, Garrett Kinsman. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, fascinating conversation. We could have talked much more, but I know you're a busy man and you've got all hands that you need to go to in a moment. So, Garrett, thank you for being on the Inspiring Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much. So now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you going to do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.